Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski, and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the President, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifest in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles, they are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or an encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1,400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. 
He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself, as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So a simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? And a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build one in the wilderness, exactly like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth. 
through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby a man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And ten, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Chuck Marshall from our Tampa class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be Ephesians, the third chapter. And that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside class. Let's all bow our hearts and minds at this time and to our Heavenly Father. We thank you once again for this honor and privilege to be able to gather here and hear the great truths that you have been laying on us since the divine vision and revelation of, Yacht, of Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley. We thank you for this revelation. We thank you for all the physical, earthly goods that we have, but more than anything, the spiritual knowledge that you have given us. In Yahweh's name, let's all give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, good evening, class. Tonight, I'll be reading Ephesians, the third chapter from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, crit critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by the late A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association, Incorporated, College Park, Maryland. Ephesians, the third chapter. For this cause, I, Saul, the prisoner of Yahshua the Messiah, for you of the Gentiles, if ye have heard of the ministry of the grace of Yahweh, which is given to me, to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of the Messiah, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in the Messiah by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of Yahweh given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am the less of the least of all sons, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of the Messiah, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages hath been hid in Yahweh, who created all things by Yahshua the Messiah, to the intent that now, through the administering powers in heavenly places, might be known by the assembly the manifold wisdom of Yahweh, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith in him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, 
of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the wishes of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the sons what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of the Messiah, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of Yahweh. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the assembly by the Messiah Yahshua throughout all generations and all ages. Ephesians, the third chapter. Thank you, Dr. Geller and Dr. Marshall. And our scripture readers today will be Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside class and Dr. Sharon Welch from our Syracuse class. And we'll have a three-speaker format this afternoon, each speaker getting approximately through 35 minutes. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside class. Good evening again, everyone. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the prayer and I enjoyed this scripture lesson too, because I'm telling you, I think that the most comforting thing that has been revealed to me in all the time I've been in class is that Yahshua the Messiah is doing everything. He's doing it all. And, and I say that because there was such a time in class that I was in class um, that even though I was taught differently some of the time, uh, not necessarily all the time encouraged that way at first, but I, I thought I had to earn my, my, my own salvation. I thought I had to be good enough, get to a point where I was good enough to where he would give me his spirit. And, and, and I was, it's called frustrating grace. And I was there for a long time and it wasn't till Yahshua revealed unto me how that he is doing it all, how that we are just, we, that I could just sit back and relax. I'm not saying to be um, complacent, but I could sit back and relax and know because of the witnesses that I'd seen how Yahshua has been bringing me along all the way I could sit back and relax and know that Yahshua had it all under control. And, and since then, in every aspect of my life, when things happen that are good and things happen that are bad, I always just know Yahshua is in control of it all and all things work together to good to them that love Yahweh. And this scripture lesson all the way through is just basically kind of just letting you know it's Yahshua in you that's doing it all that's got it covered. In verse 3, he started out talking about how that by revelation, he made known unto me the mystery, whereby when ye read, you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of the Messiah. So it's like we, we could read the book all we wanted. There's a scripture that talks about that, that he delivered the book unto one that was 
learned and he says, I can't open it. And he delivered it to one that wasn't. He says, oh, well, I can't. But it's because it's the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to be doing the interpreting and the revealing of this vision. And, and really, truly, we know that because if we go back to the law and the prophets, we see how that Joseph had those visions of, of how he was going to be the savior of, of the world at that time of Egypt. And, and, and he, he, only Yahshua could reveal those visions to him. And when he was put in the position where he had to, um, he was in prison and the butler and the baker had a vision. And then even after that, the king had a vision and then uh, called upon Joseph to, to um, interpret that vision. And Joseph said, interpretations of the vision isn't of me. I know I paraphrase that that they belong unto Yahweh. And he gave the credit to Yahweh for interpreting the vision. And we read over in first, first or second Peter, how that the holy men of Yahweh spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit got in them and just spoke through them to the point where they didn't even know what they had said after the Holy Spirit left them. Now we have the Holy Spirit that gets in us now, and he's speaking through us in the same exact way. It's Yahshua the Messiah that's speaking through us. That's why he says, don't take any anxious thought about what you're going to say when you're called upon the synagogues or whatever the scripture talks about, because he said he will give you the words to say. You don't have to rely on your own um, intellect and memory. And he says here in this scripture lesson, Ephesians 3 and 3, how by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Now, if you could get for me Acts, the 22nd chapter, and um, pick up verse, verse 14. Acts 22, 14. Uh -huh. and, and he said, the Elohim of our fathers has chosen me, that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. So the reason that we, the, that's good enough. The reason that we know and the reason that we see is because he's chosen us to know and to see. He's revealed it to us. You don't reveal things unto yourself. I'm trying to think of a situation how you could reveal something. I could reveal something about myself, but I can't reveal something to myself. It has to get revealed to me from some other source. And that's exactly what's happening here. And it, if we read over later in the, in the uh, chapter, go ahead and pick up verse 16, uh, Linda, while you're there. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of Yahweh. Wait a minute. I want Ephesians 3 and 16. Oh, go ahead. Oh. Well, whoever's reading in Ephesians. You have it, Sharon? Yep. Ephesians oh, 3 and 16. Uh, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So 
he's given us the riches of his glory to be strengthened. And the way that we're strengthened is by his spirit in the inner man. Go ahead and read. Um, That Yahshua may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all sons what is the breadth, the length, and depth, and height, and to know the love of Yahshua, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of Yahweh. So in order to comprehend all these things, the length and the breadth and the depth and the height, and we'll never be able to comprehend it all. That's why we keep coming to class. But for us to be able to comprehend any of it, it's because Yahshua the Messiah is dwelling in our hearts. Mm-hmm. It says, so Yahshua the Messiah may dwell in your hearts so that you may be able to comprehend mm-hmm. and know the love of the Messiah. So it's not like, it's not like you you find and know him in some way and then somehow by your diligence in coming to class and by reading the scriptures and doing all this studying and all this stuff. That's not why you understand. You understand because the Messiah is in you enabling you to comprehend it by revelation. And once you've had a revelation and you recognize that's a revelation, <laughs> you'll realize that you didn't work up on that thing. Because so many times I have tried to understand something and I have gone in and got all the verses out of the law and all the prophets and all the fulfillment. And I'm not saying not to do that because the book talks about study to show thyself approved unto Yahweh. And, and it talks about how the Thessalonians were noble because they searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things are so. It's important that you, uh, it's kind of like doing your homework when you go to school, you know. It, it, it's good for you to do the homework and it's good for you to, to, to listen at class. But I, I know a class I had, I was taking this class. I don't, I can't remember another. It was like logics I had to take it in college. And it's like, I was having so much trouble comprehended. And I did all the studying I could do and all the homework and all the classes and everything. It just never, I never could get it. It just never was revealed to me. That didn't click into my head. And that's the same way it is. You know, we, we, we know a lot of people that know a lot of scriptures, law, prophets, and fulfillment, and a lot of things that are taught in this class, but they never had the revelation of it. They might have had a physical, carnal, some kind of knowledge of the truth, which you can have just a carnal knowledge. You know, if you sit around in class a lot, a long time, you'll know a lot of things. But then one day, Yahshua will just, and to me, it's always when I'm not even thinking about it, all of a sudden, it will just be like, he'll show me the way that it is. And then I have all those scriptures that I went into to back it up, to allow me to recognize that revelation for being, in fact, a revelation that came from him because it's backed up by the law and the prophets. 
but really the true revelation and understanding is because he's in there showing it to you. And when he shows it to you, you'll know it's like, oh, gosh, I never saw it that way. How come I never saw it that way? It's so simple. It's so easy. And that's because if he doesn't show it to you, you're not going to see it. He is, and he's going to reveal it to you on his timetable. And even as he goes down in this scripture in Ephesians, the third chapter, he talks about how he was made a minister of the, of the gospel according to the grace that was given unto me. This is verse seven by the effectual working of his power. So it's like the, the ability to be a minister um, and be able to witness and communicate. Because if you look up in the margin for minister, it says communicator. In order to communicate and minister to this great gift that Yahshua has given us, it's going to be the effectual working of his power that's doing it. And he's got to, in verse 9, make all men see what is the, what is the mystery. This, this teaching is a mystery. And as it reads in verse 9, it's been hid from the beginning of the world. And it's hid in Yahweh Elohim. So if you want to find out something about the hidden mystery, you're going to have to be in Yahweh Elohim in order to see it. You're going to have to just be part of the body to truly understand and know anything for sure. It's just because Yahshua, the Messiah, is, is, is in us. And really, my favorite verse, I think, in the whole, in the whole book is, is right there in verse 20 where it talks about how he is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we above all that we ask or even think according to the power that worketh in us. It's like Dr. Kinley said that we didn't even know how to ask a good question. And it's really true when you think back about when you first came into class, how silly some of our questions were, because we just didn't have the foundation or understanding to be able to ask a question that seriously was, you know, representing the depths of the knowledge and understanding about Yahshua. Mm -hmm. But he, 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 we can't even think, think about the things that he is able to do because he's working in us and that's what he does all along in this creation is he he as he's revealing himself in us because it's one thing for him to reveal himself to us in this which he does from within us because he has to reveal himself to us first of all so that we can understand who he is. But if we don't understand who he is, how can we know who he is in us? So he's got to reveal himself who he is to a limited part. I, I'm trying, I haven't words trying to express this. So he can reveal himself in us. And that's the thing that really needs to be revealed is that is Yahshua in us that's doing everything. 
And when you know that and understand that, that's true peace. That is true. I mean, that is the casting out of fear. That is the, uh, when you just, when you just know that Yahshua, the Messiah is working in you, okay. causing you to see, causing you to know, causing you to do, causing you to act. See, you know, my, uh, my old Jean uh, used to say, we don't want to preach, preach grace too much in this class because people will slack off. And that's the silliest thing. Oh. It's like the only one that's going to slack off is somebody that doesn't have Yahshua the Messiah working in them because right. Yahshua the Messiah in somebody's not going to slack off. Right. But he wanted to keep everybody trying to work up on, on yeah. getting that Holy Spirit, which was really the worst thing that you can do is try to have somebody think that there's something you can do to get the Holy Spirit. Because as long as you're trying to do whatever it is, whatever you think, whether it's coming to class or studying or meditating or whatever it is that you think you can do in order to get the Holy Spirit, then, then he's not going to give it to you because you're going to take credit for it yourself. It's not until you realize and put it in his hands, because that's where it is anyway, in his hands. You know, I love that song, I put it all in his hands. But it's like, it's not like we're putting it in his hands. It's already in his hands. It just hasn't been revealed to us that it's in his hands. See, and as long as we're not giving him the credit and putting it all in his hands and giving all the glory and honor to him, then we're frustrating grace. And we're frustrating our own selves because there's never going to be a point where we're good enough to receive the Holy Spirit. Where we've done enough. It's like, oh, Yahshua is not going to enter into you because you haven't committed yourself yet. You're not going to commit yourself to something that's not in you. It's like you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to, none of this stuff you're going to do unless Yahshua just causes it to happen. It's just the way it is. And in the scripture lesson, it said, now go back to three and pick up three again, three and three. Three and three. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I write afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of the Messiah. Right. So he, because he's revealed it to us, this mystery, we can understand when we read the mm -hmm. knowledge of him. Read verse five which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. So he's saying that he talked about how that we may read and know and understand by this revelation. And he's talking about the holy apostles and prophets. Now it's also being revealed unto them. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it and we read about how the holy men of Yahweh spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit got out of them and they searched to know what, what, what they were talking about. 
Well, we don't search to know what we were talking about. I mean, we were researching to make to know what he's talking about in us, just like they did. But it's different now because it's permanent. And those men back there, when they'd speak by the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit would leave, they know they knew that the Holy Spirit left because they couldn't understand what they had said. And it proved to them that it was not them, it was the Holy Spirit in them that was understanding and that was speaking. And the same way now, it's revealed unto his holy prophets and, and apostles and, and to the sons of, and to the sons that he's revealed himself to, it's revealed the same way by the Spirit just getting in and doing the speaking and doing the talking and doing the understanding. You know, and, and we need to be careful to recognize that that's what it is, Yahshua the Messiah in us, not thinking, oh, that Jerry, she's got such swelling words and such wonderful understanding. And, and uh, you know, it's, uh, think, in other words, thinking that it's of ourselves. And as long as we're taking the credit and thinking of it's our, of ourselves, we're not going to be giving the credit to the one whom the credit is deserving, and that's Yahshua the Messiah, who reveals all things. And and it's not because we earned it, because we we just we just can't. He just has to reveal it. And it's very frustrating to try to get somebody to understand something when it hasn't been revealed, when you can explain it and explain it and explain it and explain it. And it's just, it's not revealed. And we have to realize that it's, it's been revealed to us. That's how come we know and we understand. Now, um, pick up that Acts 22 again, Linda, if you still have it. Acts 22 and 14. Okay, almost there. Um, and he said, the Elohim of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. So Yahshua has chosen us to know his will. He's chosen us to be able to hear his voice. You know, we always read about how Freddie gave that lecture. I heard a voice from heaven. He, you, you hear that voice because he's chosen you to. It's not like, mm, I heard the voice. So therefore, he's going to give me the spirit. No, you heard the voice because he gave you his spirit. They, they go hand, hand in hand. It's not that you did anything. Get John 15 and 5 for me. 15 and 5. Right. I am the vine, ye are the branches. Mm -hmm. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing now he he's the vine and we're the branches mm -hmm. the branches 
are an offshoot of the vine. It's not like the branches of their own self have anything to do with bearing the fruit except for they belong to the vine. Mm -hmm. It's not like the branches said, I think I'm going to do something so that the vine will mm. bear fruit through me. You know, the vine, the vine is the one that produces the branches. The branches are an offshoot of that. It's not like the branches decide to be a part of the vine or accept that the vine is as, as, you know, as its savior, if you will, or it's not like that. They, they're, he, the, although you can be grafted in to, to a vine, your source and substance and the thing that causes you to be alive is the fact that, that, the, that you're part of the vine. And even when you graft into the vine, it's not like you're there doing something of your own self. The vine is providing all the nutrients. It's providing, you know, you get your water through the vine. Everything comes from the vine. So he's saying now, without me, you can do nothing. It doesn't say, well, you can do some things like accept me or choose me or some of those things. It doesn't say that. It says that without me, ye can do nothing. Mm. Nothing. There is nothing that you can do of your own selves to be saved. It's Yahshua the Messiah that's taking care of it. And people want to say, oh, you're just saying that because you don't want to do anything. That's not what this is saying. Without me, you can do nothing. Although without him, you're going to do nothing. <laughs> but the point is, is that if he's, if you're a part of the vine, you're going to bear forth fruit, which is what it was talking about here. Go ahead and read that again in John. John 15 and 5. Right. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So if you don't abide in Yahshua, and Yahshua abide in you, there's no fruit coming forth. Mm -hmm. There's no fruits of the spirit. There's no spirit. So it's not like you're going to manifest the fruits of the spirit and then become a part of the vine. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I mean, you can try all you want, but you're not bearing forth true spiritual true fruit. Yahshua the Messiah is the one that's causing the, that fruit to be born. And, and without him, there, there's just nothing you can do. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to do anything because it's Yahshua that worketh in you. And, and, and the book talks about how we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice unto him. And when Yahshua is working within you, you're motivated from within to do those things that are pleasing in his eyesight. And that's the way it happened all the time to all the, in our examples in the law and the prophets, 
those men, when Yahshua was in them, did things that we would have never thought. They they walked basically for all intents and purposes into lion's dens, into fiery furnaces, into red seas, into Pharaoh's household to 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 tell him what to do. They, the the things that the people did when Yahshua was in them was were things that it's like normal people wouldn't do those kind of things. When Yahshua was in you, he's in there for a purpose. He's in there for to to fulfill his purpose in you, and he's going to cause you to. Isn't that what it says in Jeremiah? How he's going to give us a new heart and cause us to walk in his ways and his judgments and to do those things that are right. So it's his spirit in us that's going to cause us to walk upright. That's going to cut. So we, it's not like we're sitting there uh, thinking, Oh, the Holy spirit's in me. It's a piece of cake. Now I can just sit back and relax. Yes, you can relax because his spirit's in you, but because his spirit's in you, He's going to have you doing all kind of, he's going to be working in you those things that are bearing forth fruit. But it's him that's doing it all. And to me, I think that's, uh, I, to me, I have to say it was the most profound of all revelations I've, I've had to realize how Yahshua the Messiah, it was him that's doing that work in me. And it's not me. And once you really see how Yahshua's got it all under control and can see how that he's got your life going in such a way that you know you're his and you know you're a son, even if you haven't got to where you want to be, because even Paul says, seeing I have not apprehended, I press forward towards the mark of the high calling. We're all pressing forward toward the mark of the high calling and none of us are are. are, are are perfect and close to, to, to hitting the mark that we want to hit because we can see Yahshua as he truly is and actually exists. And we realize how that, that we got a lot of coming up to do to, if we're going to, you know, measure up to the standard of, of what he's given us. And he's given us such a, a wonderful position in his family to the point where we want to honor and glorify him that's going to drive us to act appropriately and to try not to do something that would embarrass our father from a physical standpoint i've been in several situations where i was at a place where my father was being honored and i it's like I had jobs to, you know, little jobs to do to host us and and run this, you know, to speak at the at a at a function honoring him and all this stuff. And it's like my whole my whole focus was just don't let let me be such an example that, that of my father that that um that I can honor him. And, and never be an embarrassment unto him. And that's just my physical father. And, 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 but it's like, I did everything I could to just be a shining light, you know, for everyone to say, oh, look how she loves him. So, you know what I mean? And I, I'm just, I, I'm joking a little bit, but it's like, that's really kind of what my intent was. 
And the same intent is with, with my heavenly father, with Yahshua the Messiah. I just don't want to do anything that would dishonor him or, or, or uh, cause him to be disappointed and not say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because I'm driven from within to honor my father. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, that's not going to be driving you. And when you can see all these, these, um, the way you've been programmed, if I can put it that way, because we have been programmed by the spirit in us to, it's not like we have to sit and think, hmm, I wonder if I've never had that come across or not. Is that wrong or is that right? We can just trust in Yahshua that he'll show us the way it is. We can just trust in him that he's leading us down the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, as we read about in the prophets. He, he is saving us and using us as vessels of righteousness. Boy, I'm telling you what a privilege it is that Yahshua would use you as a vessel of righteousness. We just, we don't realize how blessed we are sometimes in this earth plane that even the littlest things, somebody was saying to me the other day, oh, I'm so appreciative of this, that, or the other. And I just sat back and said, wow, you know, I wasn't even thinking about it, but that was Yahshua using me in righteousness in that situation. And who would have ever thought it? You know, I was just doing what I was motivated to do. And he's, he's, he's working in us, motivating us to, to hold class, to go to class. We don't need somebody to whip us into shape, into going to class because our name's not going to be on an attendance form. We're going to class because we love to see our family. We love to see our father. We love to hear about him and we love to glorify him when given the opportunity. And we need to start recognizing that those things that are doing, the, those things that we see, that, that motivation that we have, that, that desire that we have, even that, that disgust we have when we see things that need to be corrected in us, all those things are him working in us. And we need to recognize that's him working in us, not me. That's him working in us. Because if it was a mystery of iniquity, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be disgusted at the at, at some of the littlest things that we're disgusted at. Five minutes, Dr. Geller. Thank you. Anyway, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed this chapter because the whole thing is talking about how that, 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 that it's him, the power of him working in us that's doing everything and that we don't know anything unless he reveals it to us. We don't do anything unless he does it in us. And he can do more than we could even know. We, we don't even know. We can't even comprehend what he's, what the power within us is able to do. And that's what we're learning. 
as we go on and we're giving all these trials and stuff that we go through as learning experience as learning experiences so that we can know and have it be revealed what's working in us yashua the messiah is working in us hallelujah thank you for your attention thank you dr geller and our next speaker will be from our ithaca new york class dr greg prestis Oh, good evening, class. Good evening. Good evening. Um, okay. Wasn't expecting this. I, I do appreciate it. Um, okay, Jerry's brought out a lot. Um, let's just go back uh, to the scripture reading and uh, see if we can pick up a couple of things. Starting at one? Uh let me check. Actually, uh, let's go back to the second chapter. Oh, boy. It's just that they divide these chapters, but it's hard to pick up. Let's get um, just the first verse of the second chapter. Okay, Ephesians 2 and 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, keep going. In which in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our manner of life in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But Yahweh, who is rich in mercy for his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Yahshua. By grace, ye are saved. <laughs> okay, so... Um... Ephesians is a, an epistle written by the Apostle Paul to the assembly um, in Ephesus. And something I just noticed recently, you know, we, one of the things we learn in this class is you have to keep your eye on the translators all the time. And I just noticed if you read verse one, where it says, and you hath he quickened, um, the you hathy, the, the hathy quickened is in italics, which means the translators put that in there. And actually what they're doing is they're skipping ahead and picking up verse five, where it actually says, when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with the Messiah. By grace are you saved. And they're kind of putting that up in the first verse. But if you just read um, read Ephesians 2 and 1 without the italics, I just want to bring out one point. Mm. You read it how it's in my book? Read it how it's in the Bible, but don't read anything that's in italics. Okay. Um, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which in times past you walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience. Okay, so this is uh, just, uh, this is another way of getting at essentially the same thing that Jerry was talking about, is that um, in and of ourselves, left to our own devices, uh, given our own abilities, we were subject to um, what we refer to in this class as the mystery of iniquity. And um, <clears throat> as he's saying here, uh, we were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, it's easy to read these things and um, kind of skip over them. But uh, the implication is, and again, it's, it's the same thing Jerry was talking about, um, the operation of the spirit um, and the understanding that um, we're here by grace, Yahweh's grace and mercy. Now, um, this class is a very uh, precious thing because uh, our founder had spent 15 years um, as a, a Christian minister. Uh, he was assistant pastor in the Church of God, uh, and they preach holiness, uh, living a life that they consider consecrated unto the Lord, which means um, not smoking, not drinking, and I'm sure there's other people with more experience. I, I was a, a Catholic myself, so um, I have my own experience with Catholicism. But just like Jerry was saying, um, the churches teach that in order to be saved, in order to be delivered, um, and to tie it in with this verse, um, we're really talking about being quickened, being raised from the dead, that you have to be obedient to some set of laws. And then somehow you're a good person, you obey the laws, and then you'll go to heaven. And at some point, if you're obedient and do what they tell you, um, now, in the Catholic Church, I never heard about a Holy Spirit. I never knew there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. Um, in the Protestant churches, they do talk about, especially like Pentecostal churches, they do talk about getting the Holy Spirit and having various experiences. But all, all I want to touch on is that these things that were written in the Bible are, um, you have to know how to understand the Bible. Uh, let's go over there and get uh, that other scripture Jerry mentioned in Peter. Um, no private interpretation. It's in First Peter. Oh, my! It's Second Peter, Peter one and twenty. Okay, great. Do you want me to get it, Sharon? Yes, please. Okay. Yeah. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For now. the prophet. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Right. For the prophecy came not at any time by the will of man, but holy men of Yahweh spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, 
see, we're reading out of a Bible, and all these churches, all the Christian churches, all the Catholic churches, they're also reading out of a Bible. And um, you have the Jewish religion, and they're reading out of the Old Testament. Um, and then we were just talking a little bit before class is you have other religions that consider Jesus as a prophet, and they have their own teachings. And all of those religions are teaching some form of an ordinance, some form of a law, some form of a ritual practice um, that you do externally, and people can see whether you do it or not. And that determines whether or not you're righteous and holy, going to heaven, or going to be saved. But um, these scriptures, it's not for you or for me to just read a verse out of context and come to some decision about what we think it means. These scriptures were ordained of Yahweh in the hands of the prophets, and they're not um, subject to a private interpretation. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, try to take this slow. We have a little bit of time. I have about 20, 24 minutes left. So I just want to try to take this one principle um, and see if we can just establish a foundation for seeing this in the scriptures. Now, um, go ahead and get Isaiah 8 and 20. This, this is very simple and fundamental. But um, these are the things that we learn when we, we come into, into this class. And um, go ahead, Isaiah 8 and... Uh, Isaiah 8 and 20, to yeah. the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Okay. Um, is this the one with the, the peeping and the muttering up ahead? Yes. Verse 19. Okay, tell you what. Um, pick it up at 17. 17. And I will wait upon Yahweh that hideth his face from the house of Jacob. Okay, so Yahweh is the name of the God that manifested himself to Moses at the burning bush and that sent Moses down and um, overcame the physical power of Pharaoh and his host through the 10 plagues and um, brought them out by a phenomenal uh, occurrence in that the Red Sea heaped up and the wind blew all night and he brought them through on dry ground into the wilderness and he established their covenant with them. That first generation uh, died in the wilderness and the second generation born during the 40 years where they were here in this wilderness. And this is reflective of a pattern that's in the scriptures, a death, a burial, a resurrection, and a 40. Um, they then went on through into Canaan's land and established the, the nation of Israel. And uh, Jacob, we're talking about here the, 
house of Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel when um, by Yahweh. And so the children of Jacob, which were in bondage in Egypt, were called um, the children of Israel. And that's the house of Jacob. Now they got up here. They um, had a kingdom. Their kingdom reached its apex under Solomon. And then periodically they would turn away and be disobedient to the law that Yahweh had established with them in the wilderness. And when we talk about sin, definition of sin is it's a transgression of the law. So they sinned here in the wilderness. And that's why that first generation died, because they had no faith in Yahweh. And then he gave them this law. And when they got into Canaan's land, uh, the nation of Israel would obey that law under a righteous judge or king. And then a period of time, uh, they would disobey that law. And when they disobeyed that law, he would hide his face from them and they would be subject to bondage and to um, scourging and various troubles. Then their hearts would turn to Yahweh. He would bring them another judge or another king would rise up, and then they would enjoy peace. And for a period of time, Yahweh would um, uh, smile on them, so to speak. So when we're talking about sin, anything we want to talk about, we need to go back to the law and the prophets. And this is where Yahweh establishes those principles. Now go ahead, uh, read verse 18. Behold, I and the children whom Yahweh hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from Yahweh of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. Now, Yahweh established this tabernacle with the children of Israel in the wilderness, as uh, our moderator always explains. And then when they crossed over the River Jordan into the promised land or into Canaan's land, um, they pitched that tabernacle on top of Mount Zion. And they worshiped Yahweh there on Mount Zion uh, until uh, the temple was uh, dedicated, which was, I, I believe, 490 years after their exodus from the land of Egypt. So, uh, see, this second generation, these are the children that worshipped Yahweh uh, upon, upon Mount Zion, and which dwelt in Zion. Now, figuratively, uh, you can't really go through a single class and not hear something about this tabernacle. And this tabernacle and its operation in the physical creation and its operation in the scriptures, this is essentially the key that unlocks the mystery of Yahweh and the purpose of Yahweh. And um, you can learn all about it, but just as this tabernacle had to be filled with the cloud, had to be dedicated by the cloud or the spirit, before the priesthood could operate in it. Um, this tabernacle and this understanding and this teaching that we have and the preaching of the gospel is necessary, but it forms a structure in our understanding that has to be quickened by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we call the revelation, or that's what the first speaker was speaking about 
and saying there's plenty of things that we do as members of this class and in the preaching of the gospel, but we understand that the reality of it, the spiritual essence of it, is all a function of the Holy Spirit. Now, go ahead um, and keep reading uh, verse 19. So you see, in a sense, we also are given by Yahweh for a sign and for a season uh, to the world, signs and wonders. And this teaching is a literal wonder because, um, as I hope to get into in a bit, um, <clears throat> it shows how all of those religions that we previously talked, how worshiping Yahweh according to ordinances and you feeling burdened that you have to be obedient to something that you don't understand and don't feel in your heart, all of that is really typified see, by this bondage to Pharaoh. And it's through the preaching of the gospel that we're delivered from that ignorance and from that darkness and from that bondage. We come into the wilderness where we learned the, the, the fabric and the structure of the teaching. And then as the spirit of Yahshua comes to dwell in our heart and reveals this to us, then we begin to function in the world according to the law of the spirit of life. And in that, we're freed from the law of, of sin and death, um, which is operating out here in the world, and which is really epitomized by these um, physical ritualistic religions, as, as strange as that sounds. And you see, we don't want you to believe these things just because we tell you. Um, it's the preaching of the gospel is to show how this message is embedded in the scriptures and in the physical creation. And it's through those witnesses that we can come to know that they're true. And then we seek for Yahshua, Yahweh, to reveal these things in our heart such that we're able to live and, and walk, see, according to this new covenant and not according to the letter of the law. Now go ahead, read the next verse, please. Verse 19, and, wait, and when they shall say unto you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their Elohim, their God, for the living to the dead? Now, um, I don't know, you know, one of our aims uh, is to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Now, for myself, I, was, I had left the Catholic Church, and I had a library full of books on Eastern religions and various things. And so... Um, if you go and look at what else is in the world, there's all sorts of material they call channeled material. And what you have is somebody claims to hear some voice and they write something. And see, that's our modern, uh, that's our modern version of uh, them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. Uh, there's something called the Course in Miracles that's purported to be written by an angel. There's uh, Seth material, it's called. And there's, uh, I just recently found out there's, there's numerous others. And you see, if 
you have the desire to know something about God. And because Yahweh has imbued man with a sufficient degree of intelligence to know that there is a God and to understand these things once they're explained, then you have people who out there who do re reject religion for various reasons, and they're out there searching. But um, should not a people seek unto their Elohim? And you see, so our founder, he was seeking. He was in the Christian church, uh, but he had, there were some of their teachings that he rejected. Um, the church teaches works of grace. And our founder, before he had the vision, uh, Yahweh had revealed to him that works and grace were um, opposites. They were um, antagonistic. If it's work, uh, grace means unmerited favor or a gift. Work means some sort of effort or uh, something that you apply in order to cause a certain result. So you don't consider your paycheck a gift. You consider it the product of your work. But your uncle gives you $100 for your birthday. That's a gift. You didn't work for it. And um this distinction is at the heart of uh, what the first speaker was talking about. See, whatever it is, if we don't understand that Yahshua died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried uh, according to the scriptures, and that he rose again, and that in that he's fulfilling the children of Israel, and it was through the death of the Lamb that they were delivered from this psychological bondage. And um, as I said, um, well, here, finish this up. I've, I've, I'm, I'm on, uh, I've got nine minutes. Uh, no, what do I have, Dennis? 14 minutes? Yeah, I think so. Go ahead. 20. Uh to the law and to the testimony if they speak not according to this word it is because there is no light in them now see whether we were out in the world calling a bible around or whether we were out in the world looking for gurus and mystical books and wizards that peeped and that muttered uh none of us really knew that the bible the law and the prophets the law being the first five books of moses in your Bible and the prophets being the books from Joshua to Malachi, none of us knew that that was really Yahweh's light. That was really Yahweh testifying to um, his purpose and the operation uh, of salvation by Yahshua the Messiah, by the death of the, the Lamb. Now, um, I need to run back to and, and, you know, we have these classes. Uh, there's the Oceanside class every uh, week on Saturday. There's so many classes now with Zoom. And if you go on a YouTube, uh, anyone that has it in their heart to want to know something about Yahweh, do you want to know more about this pattern? If you want to know uh, more about how the physical creation shows forth the 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 creator through the operation of the pattern, your physical body, um, all of this material is available. And it, this is our job. This is a function of these classes 
is to present this teaching. And all of it is witnessed by the law and by the prophets. Now, in any one class, it's really impossible to call all these scriptures. And then even if we call them, you have to read these things and you have to ponder these things. Uh, it says in Hebrews 11:6 that, well, Yahweh, we must believe that Yahweh is, and we can be convinced through the preaching of this gospel, through these witnesses, through this tabernacle pattern. If you are honest and sincere, and if you want to know, Yahweh will reveal himself to you. And when he does reveal himself to you, you will realize that it's a gift, and it will humble you, and it will make you desirous to share these things and share this treasure with others. Now, um, let's go back to Ephesians, the second chapter, please. Starting at? Uh, starting one at one again. again and not reading the um, stuff again. And I'm going to just let you read down uh, to five. Okay. Ephesians 2 and 1, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience. I'm sorry, I lied. Hold it here and pick it up at three in a second. Now, see, this is all of us, and everyone that Yahweh's created has a conscience. And if we're honest with ourselves, and if we are quiet and we just examine ourselves, we all know that we've done things that we shouldn't have done and that we felt uh, didn't feel proud for or might have even felt embarrassed or shamed by. And so that makes us to be dead uh, in our conscience. And, and that goes all the way back to our founding father, Adam, who disobeyed the commandment, who was condemned in his conscience and was cast out of the garden. Uh, and he was cast out into toil and sorrow and darkness and work and effort. And we're still there today. And you see, that's what's shown by this darkness down here. There was a, tenth plague, a plague of darkness in Egypt, Stygian black darkness that could be felt. I forget which plague it was. And, um, you see, we were uh, condemned in our conscience and our sins and, and dead. And that's why people go to church and try to obey these laws and tithe and everything else, because um, they're trying to appease their conscience. But see, Yahweh designed your conscience. He um, purposed that Adam would disobey because of his love for his bride. And then to bring that, make that long story short, Yahshua, the Messiah, is the second Adam, and he comes down, and he makes the atonement. And he's for, he represents the Passover lamb. He represents that day of atonement uh, that's established in the law and in the prophets, and all these things you can become familiar with if you're interested. And it's through Yahshua that we are delivered from our sins. And then on the day of Pentecost, We've been speaking, the first speaker and I have been speaking about this Holy Spirit. That's the spirit of Yahshua the Messiah. After his death, burial, resurrection, he 
tarried for 40 days and ascended into heaven, just like the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt and spent 40 years here and went on into Canaan's land. Then he came back on the day of Pentecost and he illuminated the hearts and minds of the 120 in the upper room, including the uh, disciples who then became the apostles or the eyewitnesses. And you see, that's what we're looking for is our understanding has to be illuminated. And you can learn the mechanics of this teaching and the correlations. And it's already been talked today about how we have people well-schooled in the structure and the mechanics of this teaching, but who have parted from this teaching, parted from the witnesses, parted from the law and the prophets, because they didn't see the point and they didn't see the spirit and that Holy Spirit didn't illuminate their hearts. So um, go ahead, read verse three. Among whom also we all had our manner of life in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were made by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So, you know, you can see Paul about it. Uh, you may think you're exempt from this. Maybe Paul made a mistake because he didn't consider you. But you see, he's just saying we all had our conversation. And for my part, um, you know, I know that my conscience was disturbed. And uh, through the preaching of the gospel, we come to understand that that was purposed by Yahweh. We were no match for that mystery of iniquity. We were no match for sin. And so it's by faith in Yahshua that he, um, that he did the work, that he paid the price, he the sacrifice to atone for that sin. And so whatever it is you feel guilty about, whatever you might have been ashamed about, see, it's a cleansing, it's a spiritual baptism, it's a washing of the water by the word through the preaching of the gospel. It cleanses our hearts from this darkness. It, we are born again uh, from this death and from this sin, of whom all were partakers, that we all had our conversation in times past. Verse 4. But Yahweh, who is rich in mercy, for his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Yahshua, by grace ye are saved. One more. And hath and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Yahshua the Messiah. See, now this second generation, they were raised up and they worshiped there at Mount Zion, as, as, as we had read. And then that temple was built and dedicated, and they moved the vessels from the tabernacle over into the temple. And you see, this tabernacle represents the physical creation, and this temple represents the um, the new heaven and the new earth state or the immortal glorification in the new earth state, the next creation. This is where we want to go because it was made with gold and encrusted with jewels and so on and so forth. So now um, I'm tracking about seven minutes. Let's go to Ephesians. The uh, go, I'm sorry, I need you to read through eight. Okay, seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Yahshua the Messiah. 
So you see, we have this understanding now through this teaching, through the Holy Spirit, and these earthen vessels, and we're still subject to war and famine and disease and everything else because we have a physical body. But the promise, what's coming up, is just as they migrated from this weather-beaten tabernacle to this glorious structure, we're coming down to the end of this present kingdom age where the promises of a mortal glorification in the new heaven and the new earth state. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which we've learned to live by in these physical bodies, see, that will transform and quicken us and make us to be citizens in this new heaven and new earth state, in a state of immortal glorification represent and permanence represented by that temple. Now, um, and you see, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves, it's the gift. If you believe, you convince through the preaching of the gospel, we need to be convinced that Yahshua died for our sins, and we need to cease from our own works, and then we will receive the, um, the gift of the Spirit. Now go to uh, Ephesians 3.1. Five minutes, Dr. Prestes. Yeah, I'm on it. Thank you. Uh, 3.1. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Yahshua the Messiah, for you Gentiles. Now you see, he... this cause, this is the cause. Paul was made a prisoner of Yahshua, and he was a Jew, and he received the Holy Spirit uh, when he went down to the to State Street, and the scales were fell from his eyes, and he saw through these carnal ordinances and this physical form of worship and his carnal mind. And it was revealed to him uh, in the spirit that he was to be sent to the, the Gentiles. So the Jews received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and for seven years, it was Jews only who uh, received that spirit and who worshiped Yahweh in spirit and truth. But then Yahshua sent Peter to preach to Cornelius, and there's a whole history on Cornelius. And then this was Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. I think it's, um, it's in Acts. I forget exactly what chapter, uh, maybe the 10th chapter where Peter goes, and see, this is a fulfillment of that promise to Abraham, that in, Yah in his seed, in Yahshua the Messiah, all nations of the earth would be blessed. Now read verse 2. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of Yahweh Elohim, which is given me toward you. Now, if you look at that word in Greek, it uh, also means administration. And also within the word dispensation, you have dispense. And there's another place where Paul talks about the dispensation of the gospel, which Yahweh had given to him. So Paul preached this gospel to the Gentiles. Now, um, get for me, please, hold your place here and get for me, please, Romans 1.16. Romans 1. I am for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Yahshua, for it is the power of Yahweh unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now you see, Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. He was preaching the gospel. And in these classes, we're in the self-same position. We're not ashamed 
to preach this gospel. We're not ashamed to show you how the law and the prophets witness to the Messiah and how his purpose is coming all the way down through and how we must be born again, as he told uh, Nicodemus. And um, this gospel is the power of Yahweh unto salvation that everyone, to everyone that believes. And you see, um, in order to believe this gospel, Yahshua the Messiah has to come and quicken your heart. And he's, um, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, um, could we, do you know where that is in Isaiah? Seek ye Yahweh Mahi may be found. It's one of the ones we call. I don't know if it's 48 or. 46, I think. Yeah, it's uh, Isaiah 56 and 6. No, yeah, 55 and 6, pardon me. Seek ye Yahweh while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked keep going. Yeah. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto Yahweh and he will have mercy upon him and to our Elohim for he will abundantly pardon. Hold it there. We may get eight or not. I have two minutes. So you see, these classes. I mean, when we first came into class, we sometimes got the idea that, you know, we were going to go out and we told everybody we knew about it. Um, and we came to find out that most people didn't that we talked to didn't really care or didn't believe us or couldn't see past our own personalities. And we have people come to these lectures and um, just walk away and never think twice about it. And we have the parables of the seed and the sower and various parables. But you see, this class is for those that Yahweh has put within their hearts the desire to know him. Everybody has the intelligence to understand the purpose, but not everyone has the heart to know the purpose. And it's Yahweh's responsibility to call us into a place and to explain himself to us. And then if this gospel, see, if we receive it, then the Holy Spirit quickens our hearts. Um, see, you hath he quickened um, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, um, go ahead a little more. When, hey, verse eight. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, saith Yahweh. Now, I thank you for this time. I've, I'm finished. But you see, this gospel, if this gospel was telling us the same things we already thought, then it would be the wrong gospel. This gospel is where we learn the thoughts of Yahweh. His thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. And through the preaching of the gospel and the quickening of the Holy Spirit, we examine our hearts, see, and we um, forsake our ways and uh, the unrighteous man, which we were all unrighteous, we were all in bondage to sin. See, we need to forsake our thoughts and have the Holy Spirit quicken the knowledge and the understanding 
of Yahshua, the salvation of Yahweh in our hearts. Um, I know I had to chop that up a bit. I hope there was enough continuity so that someone was able to get something out of it. Uh, thank you very much. Back to you, Dave. Thank you, Dr. Prestis. And our third speaker this afternoon will be the president of our Oceanside class, Dr. Carl Emler. Um, let me see. Um, I kind of want to end where uh, Greg was. So um, reread that the last three verses of the scripture he was working with. The Isaiah? Yes. Okay, Isaiah 55 and 6. Seek Yahweh while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto Yahweh and he will have mercy upon him and to our Elohim for he will abundantly pardon. So for my, have, oh. oh, go ahead, go ahead. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith Yahweh. Let me have the uh, ages and dispensations chart for a moment. So um, now start reading that again, Linda, those. those. 55.6, seek Yahweh while he may be found. So let me, so now I'm gonna just stop you as we go along. Um, Isaiah is prophesying to seek Yahweh while he may be found. And um, we know that Prior to Pentecost, Yahweh was unsearchable. And uh, I always forget where this verse is, as well as I always forget where all verses are. <laughs> um, where uh, it's spoken that uh, the prophets searched diligently um, what things they said when they were going to come to pass. First Peter, first chapter. Let's get that. Tenth verse. One and ten. Um. I'll pick it up at nine. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Oh, no, you're going to have to pick it up. We don't know what this receiving is about. Since you went back there, Sharon, we're going to have to go back a little bit to find this out. Let me get where you are. Okay. <laughs> you're in First uh, Peter. First Peter 1. And I was reading 9. All right, hold on. All right, let's see here. All right, so yeah, let's see here. Boy, um, start at three. Three, blessed be Elohim and father of our master, Yahshua the Messiah. Now, now you... that should be blessed be Yahweh and father of Yahshua. Okay. 
which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that faded not away reserved in heaven for you. So now this is after the death, burial and resurrection when the inheritance uh, is received. And this inheritance is incorruptible and undefiled. And of course, all the way down through the ages and dispensations, there were inheriti, inheritances, if you will. And uh, particularly uh, the confusion of the inheritances of the firstborn son versus the secondborn son. And Yahweh uh, had established the natural inheritance uh, amongst the Jews that the firstborn would inherit uh, the majority of the, the, of the wealth, if you will, of the father or of the blessings, etc. But Yahweh had shown forth through his purpose and through the actions of the um, uh, 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 the, the Jews, if you will, unbeknownst to them that they were manifesting his, Yahweh's uh, purpose in, for instance, um, was it uh, uh, Jacob and Esau with the hairy coat that made what? Yes. Because Esau was a hunter and Jacob, I guess, was not. I don't know. But Esau was a hairy man. He was born first. Mm -hmm. And so he was going to get the inheritance. But mom didn't want that to be mom favored uh, Jacob. And so she had a coat that was like scraggly, hairy coat and put it on him. And um, Isaac was old of his age by this time and was essentially blind and so she put his right hand on Jacob and he felt the coat and gave the blessing to Jacob and then found out that he had messed up Esau was upset but it was too late to take that back and what um, Yahweh had been showing there is that and there's another place <clears throat> where he talks about the elders shall serve the younger. Okay. And so Yahweh had set up a contradiction down through the law and the prophets. And that is that by man's law, the elder would be favored. But by Yahweh's purpose in the mystery the younger was going to be favored. And so now we get down to uh, um, uh, this inheritance, um, verse four, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. So the natural Jews, uh, uh, including during the times of the kingships, those inheritances were all natural and physical and were handed down in a lineage, a blood lineage. And, uh, and it didn't matter whether 
you were going to be a Rehoboam or a Jeroboam or whether you're going to be a good king or a bad king, you got to have this inheritance because it was according to man's work. But Yahweh uh, has a particular inheritance that is uh, undefiled and it's eternal. So now this inheritance, now watch, this inheritance is um, in a sense, uh, the second born in principle. And I say it for this reason. Um, what you'll find is that Joshua, the son of Nun, who appeared in Egypt uh, as has been revealed uh, at about the age 30 years old and was actually Yahshua, Yahweh Elohim manifested in a body back then. And this is no great mystery, but it is a great mystery. The reason why I say that is if you read just with a, uh, uh, enough intelligence to be able to understand and keep a train of thought through a book, and you read about Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, back there in uh, uh, Egypt, and particularly in the wilderness, where he is identified as uh, Moses' minister. He's also identified as the one who lives in a tent on the backside of uh, Mount Sinai. Give me the Moses chart real quick. Um, and that uh, he, Joshua, the son of Nun, speaks with Moses in that backside. If you look over there in the left-hand side of the burning bush right there, that particular tent has a cloud over it. Uh, <laughs> and that ought to clue you in on something special about this tent, because uh, none of the children of Israel's tents had clouds over them. The tabernacle had a cloud over it. And so this tent back there had a cloud over it and that's Joshua's tent. And I want someone to get me where uh, Joshua, a young man departed not out of the tabernacle because they called this tent on the backside of the mountain also a tabernacle because tabernacle means tent. And you could have called any tent the tabernacle, but down through the scriptures, Yahweh has chosen to talk about some tents and some tabernacles. Um, so I want to identify, I just want to show you that anybody with a, just a significant enough understanding, carnally minded speaking, can recognize and understood that in the scriptures, Old Testament, uh, 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 Exodus, that they could see something's going on with Joshua, the son of Nun, that didn't happen with uh, uh, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. Did anyone find that? Exodus 33, uh, 11, but it starts at 7. So, I so let's know. go to 7. You say Acts? Exodus. Exodus. Oh, Exodus. I'm sorry. I thought we were in Joshua 33, 33 and seven of Exodus. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it outside the camp 
Now that's the tabernacle we're talking about, which is a tent, pitched it outside the camp. Go ahead. Afar off from the camp and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. Now he called that the tabernacle of the congregation. See, and we have a congregation of Israel at the base of this mount where the golden calf is. And then we have a tabernacle of the congregation on the backside of this mount. All right. And this is just stuff that you can read about, follow the words congregation, etc. And you'd have this just as a carnal mind. See, uh, and, and I'm telling you that the carnally minded PhDs, the doctors of philosophy of religion, see, do not express this uh, to their congregations at all. They don't mention anything at all about the speciality of Joshua, the son of Nun, and uh, uh, and these differences in these congregations, because this is setting up for you a way to see that Yahweh himself has been on the ground during this purpose the whole time. And there are these little points that you'll find reference to him on the ground, and this is one of them. Go ahead. Okay, so 33 and 8. And it came to pass that everyone who sought Yahweh went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was outside the camp. Now, everyone who sought the Lord, the Lord God, 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 went out to this tent made out of linen, this tent of the congregation with a cloud on it. Um, If you wanted to, so in church, uh, if you want to talk to God as a Catholic, you go in the little box and the screen opens up and the middleman uh, 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 the priest, you talk to him and he, I guess, I don't think he really goes away someplace and talks to God and uses your name. Dennis Volpe came to me today along with, uh, 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 Greg Prestis. Also, he was there today and they, that's not happening. You know, it's symbolic when you sit in that confessional thing and you speak to this man, this priest, and you confess your sins to this priest. And we have just recently found out that some of these priests that you have confessed your sins to were not really priests because they were never properly water baptized according to the church, the Catholic church. They were baptized by someone who was not properly baptized and therefore not baptized and therefore not ordained a a real minister or a, a priest and turned around and made other priests. And and there's a lineage of non-baptized priests out there. And who knows how many there are. And uh, uh, they sit in these little booths and you confess your sins to them as though they're an intercessor when they're, uh, and they don't even know they're fakes. They don't know they've been uh, unbaptized all this time. We just found, it's just been in the news. And, and, you know, it seems to be a, a light thing that this happened in the Roman Catholic Church. But if you're a, a, a believing Roman Catholic, if you sincerely believe the doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church, and you find out that your father, who has died, had been baptized one of these non-priests, 
and therefore he was never baptized, then he died unbaptized. And that means that he goes directly to hell. Do not pass go and do not collect $200. And they made light of this thing, even though if what they said in the beginning was true, these souls would be damned forever and you can't get them back. That's how serious this thing is, but everybody took it lightly and there was a chuckle here and there and, and no one, these Catholics don't really know what they believe and don't really believe what they think they know. Otherwise, they would be suing the Roman Catholic Church for the price of a soul. You put a price on that, there'd be a truly uh, a lawsuit, but that didn't happen because the, the doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church is so... Uh, 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 misconstrued that Catholics don't know what to believe and what not to believe when finally put to the challenge as they were in this situation. Now, so I said all that because in this Bible, we're not talking about a catechism, Luther's catechism or the Baltimore catechism. We're talking about in the quote, holy scriptures, if you will, uh, uh, you have a designation where these people could go and talk to God, talk to the Lord, talk to the Lord God in this tabernacle of the congregation. And I guarantee we didn't hear about that when we watched the movie from Cecil B. DeMille about uh, uh, the Israelites coming up through the waters of the Red Sea and hearing the voice coming out of the cloud. And all that was very dramatic, but how dramatic would it be if you could go and stand in front of God himself and speak to him as a man speaks to a friend. That's pretty dramatic, you understand? And this is what this tent was set up for. And this is the tent of Joshua, the son of Nun. And that already identifies, if just to a straight up carnal mind, that something is going on with this Joshua, the son of Nun, that is not happening even with the high priest down there uh, in the Levitical priesthood. Now, read on. All right. I'm Eight. sorry, I put you to sleep. No, I, <laughs> I was just muted. I had to come back on. Uh, Exodus 33 and eight. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and Yahweh talked with Moses. Are you kidding me? Here you got this cloudy pillar uh, descending and blocking that door. Where else did you see a cloudy pillar? See, when they came up out of Egypt, there was a, they were following a cloud and the cloud turned around and went behind them and separated them from uh, the Egyptians. And you'll read, give me 1 Corinthians uh, 10 and 1. I remember the scripture. I ought to get dessert tonight. 1 Corinthians 10 and 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Read on. 
and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was the Messiah. Now, which Messiah, Sharon? Yahshua. That rock was Yahshua, the Messiah. What about Joshua? What was Joshua's name? Joshua. Joshua is, there's no J. That's Yahshua, the son of Nun. And this is Yahshua, the Messiah. And so you had Yahshua back there who was in this special tent with a pillory cloud covering it. And you have the rock, Yahshua, the Messiah, leading them through the divided waters of the Red Sea with a cloudy pillar or a cloudy rock, you understand? Oh, rock, cloud means rock, I'm sorry. <laughs> the rock, Yahshua the Messiah, was in that uh, a cloud. And if you look on this chart and you see that circle there, uh, that represents that cloud making uh, darkness to the children of Israel and light, or darkness to the Egyptians and light to the children of Israel. And that's Moses' staff there. And then you read up there, uh, give me Exodus 23, 20 through 23. Because you have that cloud and you have that angel in the cloud on this chart. Mm -hmm. Okay, Exodus 23, 20. Behold, I sent an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice, provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Now watch. But, Boy, go ahead. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. Now, this angel will not pardon your transgressions unless you do something. Reread that. Uh, okay. Uh, 21. Behold, beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. So this angel is not going to pardon your transgressions. And you have to obey him, do whatever he says. That works there with this angel. And that angel and Joshua or Yahshua, the son of Nun, they go together. Now watch. Yahshua, read on here back in Exodus with this Yahshua, the son of Nun and the cloudy pillar. There's more there. Okay, that was, I'm at nine. Uh, no, ten. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. Mm -hmm. And all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent door. And Yahweh Elohim spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Yahweh Elohim spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Now, you don't have to have the Holy Spirit to understand something's going on there. And that's his minister, Joshua, the son of Nun, who was with Moses from the time Moses got into uh, uh, on his way down into Egypt. 
And uh, it was Joshua or Yahshua, the son of Nun, who stood by Moses when Moses threw that rod down in front of Pharaoh. And it was uh, uh, Yahshua, the son of Nun, who instructed Moses. And Yahshua, the son of Nun, who brought those uh, uh, devastating plagues upon Egypt. And it was Yahshua, the son of Nun, who parted those waters of, of the Red Sea when Moses uh, lifted up his rod. It was Yahshua, the son of Nun, who uh, led Israel in, uh, in that cloud unbeknownst to Israel because they saw Joshua. They didn't know who he was, but they didn't see the spirit that in that cloud. They didn't see the angel in that cloud. They just had this cloud they were following that kept them safe from, from Pharaoh. But Yahshua, the son of Nun, and the angel in that cloud are one in the self same, see? And so now you get over here in, in, in the backside of the mountain and Moses is speaking to Yahweh Elohim as a man speaks to his friend. And that lets you know who Yahshua was. Yahshua, the son of Nun, was Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God, manifested in a physical body 1,490 years before the birth of the Messiah, the one that you call Jesus, the one that you think, oh, God's come down onto earth and died for us. Well, he's been around a lot longer than you've been instructed or been shown to where he is. And this Joshua, the son of Nun, he is the one who instituted the law uh, that Moses brought down uh, in the Ten Commandment, uh, that, that those tables of stone, Joshua, the son of Nun, or Yahshua, Yahweh Elohim, give me this whole chart uh, for a moment so we can see this Eloistic figure. Uh, uh, so, uh, and then I need Exodus, the 24th chapter. Mm -hmm. This is a lot of work for one point, but I'm just, this is where he's taken me. So I need... Exodus 24, um, nine. Uh, nine. nine. Yeah. Give, give, Exodus 24, nine. And then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they now, saw. You've got Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel uh, went up into the middle of this mountain, read. And they saw the Elohim of Israel. And they saw the Elohim of Israel. Now, Joshua hasn't been mentioned here at all. They didn't say, then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and Joshua, and 70 of the elders of Israel. Right. For some reason, uh, uh, Joshua has been left out of this uh, uh, description. And that is because um, it is Joshua, the son of Nun, who invited Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, or directed Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 of the elders of Israel to go up on this mountain. He's been the director of what is going on here in the wilderness of Sinai, uh, and, and in Canaan's land, by the way. Uh, uh, and so he directs Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel to go up in the midpoint of the mountain. And now here's what happens, believe it or not. 
Yahshua, the son of Nun, appears to them as a, uh, as a, uh, I'll use the term angelic figure, but uh, uh, we'll read it what it's like, Sharon, mm -hmm. that they saw. And they saw the element of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone. Now watch. It... Now watch. I, I'm sorry. I'm right. just sorry. <laughs> back back in, at the tent of the congregation, they, that's where they talked to the Lord God face to face, or Yahweh Elohim. Now the invite or the commandment was for them to go to the middle of the mountain. And now they see the same Yahweh Elohim, but now it's not as a friend speaketh to a friend. Now, what is it like, Sharon? Read it again. They saw the Elohim of Israel and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone. And as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And a Upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw Elohim and did eat and drink. So at the base of the mountain, there was a guy they talked to face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Now, when you get into the middle of the mountain, they see hands, feet, and a body, a body of heaven in its clearness. And they describe that as God or Yahweh Elohim or Elohim, the guy down at the tent, they described as the Lord God, or Elohim, or Yahweh Elohim. This is Joshua, the son of Nun, manifest in the flesh. This is Joshua, the son of Nun, manifest in a, a spirit body to uh, uh, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 of the elders of Israel. Now, this is uh, important, because what you have in this description, if you or I, listen, if you or I uh, ever thought that we had a neighbor down the street, that if we went to his house, we would be able to talk to God himself. We'd be down at the house all the time. And then if we thought, if we went hiking with him and got up into an elevated position, that all of a sudden we'd see a spirit body uh, with hands, feet, and a body, a body of heaven in its clearness, you understand? We would be having a vision. You'd think, are you kidding me? Maron, you <laughs> get rid of that, get rid of that. I got it now. Uh, <laughs> you'd think that um, uh, 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 if he told you to do something, that you'd do it without question, after having that experience. But Yahweh spoke to the children of Israel and told them to uh, 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 don't have any other gods before them. Don't build anything. They go down off this mountain and in, in less than a month, no matter how close they saw him in the tent or what they saw up at the top of the mountain, Moses is uh, in a burning cloud. He's probably dead. Let's build us a golden calf and go back into Egypt. That is the level of commitment and understanding. That is the exterior nature of a co covenant or a commandment that uh, has an effect on you in such a way as to for you to lose your commitment to what you would have considered the truth.
in as little as 40 days, you understand? And this Joshua, the son of Nun, who is Yahweh Elohim, who's instituted this covenant under the, uh, uh, in the wilderness of Sinai, and this was a covenant of works. It's over there in Deuteronomy uh, 6.24. If you keep all of these commandments, it will be your righteousness. Yahweh said, this is the righteousness of Yahweh is the righteousness of works by this commandment. And that is the, uh, 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 if you will, the firstborn. But Yahweh is going to give the inheritance to the secondborn. Give me, blow this up so I see the whole chart because I only got a minute or two and I want to go to the crucifixion down here and show you that now when Yahweh Elohim appears in the flesh, he appears in this specially prepared body. And so this is Yahweh's choice, not man's choice, you understand? And this is the, uh, uh, the, the second son, uh, the son of his righteousness. This is the younger son, if you will. Joshua, the son of Nun, has been coming all the way down through ages and dispensations in the kinds of bodies that are not specially prepared bodies uh, like this one is, that comes in the likeness of sinful flesh. This is the only sacrificial offering that is able to move that old covenant out of the way and bring in the new covenant of grace, which is what we had read in the very first chapters that we had in the scripture about uh, by grace you are saved and not by works. And so the covenant changes and the uh, uh, the son who uh, ushers in the new covenant is that first, uh, uh, is that young, in a sense, as far as the chronology is concerned, the second guy on the block, beat Joshua, the son of Nun, being the institutor, and, uh, uh, or Yahshua, the son of Nun, being the institutor, and Yahshua, the Messiah, being the fulfiller. And even to the point where the true um, Messiah uh, is Yahweh Elohim, which is uh, in that specially prepared body. And that is what resurrects from the tomb. And that is what gets into the hearts and minds of uh, believers uh, on the day of Pentecost. So thank you very much for the time. Thank you, Dr. Emler. We'd like to thank everybody who participated in our Zoom class today. And we'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class here every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. And at this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.